And welcome back to the show to be named later, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran, and we are going to be talking about the 2015 Mets in the second part of episode 45, our last uh, our last episode of history yeah. uh, until about November, hopefully, hopefully November. Right. Hopefully, yeah. I, I wouldn't want it to be any earlier. Yeah. And uh, Daniel, give us give us a perspective on what was going on with the Mets leading up to 2015. In 2014, the New York Mets went 79-83. and 83. Obviously, they missed the playoffs. You're not going to make up the playoffs with that record. They had no winning season since 2008 and no playoffs since 2006. Uh, they had a relatively quiet offseason. Like, if anything, they signed Michael Kadire as a free agent, but even then, he was aging. Uh, however, one big addition that they would be getting that was not there in 2014 was their 2013 ace, Matt Harvey. He would be returning from Tommy John surgery in 2015. And Bleacher Report had them finishing 82 and 80, third in the NL East, not great. And no one on Sports Illustrated staff had them, making the, had them making the postseason, whether that be as the division winner, whether that be in the wild card. They all had them miss in the postseason. Why? Well, why don't you take a look down in D.C.? The defending 96-win Washington Nationals, the division champs, they had just added Max Serger to their team. This was the team to beat. They were a 100-win team projected to be, and nobody had a chance of beating them at the start of the season. So d- despite these low expectations, the 2015 Mets start off hot. They win 15 of their first 20 games, and it was their best 20-game start since 1986 when they won their last World Series. It was also the best record in baseball at the time, and they were, after 20 games, were up four and a half games in the National League East. They also, in that span, had an 11-game win streak, which we will see after this ad. <laughs> every time I, every time I talk, every time I'm talking and then a video comes up, it just surprises me. I, yeah, I always, I always forget. Again, the one-two. He struck him out, and the ball game is over. The New York Mets have tied a club record with their 11th consecutive victory as they sweep the Braves and put together the first 10-0 homestand in Mets history. A spectacular beginning to the home season as the Mets go to 13-3, matching their best start ever. What a show the Mets have. So how about that? The Mets... Uh, went 11 games in a row uh, in in the beginning, not to start, but in the beginning of their 2015 season. And 11 of the 15 wins had a save in them. Uh, no one else had double digits uh, up to up to this point. The team also had a 2.93 ERA during this 20-game stretch. Uh, that was second in the National League. Uh, Matt Harvey went 4-0 with a 3.04 ERA and 10.5 strikeouts per nine. Bartolo Colon went 4-0 with a 2.77 ERA 
one walk in 20 and in 26 innings uh and his his walks per nine which was 0.35 0.35 walks per nine innings those led major league baseball uh at that point also he was uh harvey and cologne were not the only pitchers to excel jacob Degrom went two and two with a 296 era how fitting that jacob Degrom. Uh, has an even record with a yep, ERA below three. Nothing has changed in five years. Even, even in their best year, in their <laughs> one of their best starts in the yeah. franchise history, Jacob Degrom cannot get above five hundred. Still gets no love. Still gets no love. But a two nine six ERA from from the uh, the man in his sophomore season in profession uh, major league baseball. And Jerice Familia in the back end of the bullpen, he had nine saves. That led the majors. Uh, those nine saves were successful because he had a 169 ERA and also 11 strikeouts per nine. Lucas Duda um, on the offensive side of the Mets, he slashed 319, 422, 507 for a 929 OPS. Also had a 402 WOBA and 162 weighted runs created plus during these first 20 games. So after the big start for the Mets, they start skidding back down to earth and it was a, it was a steep slope. They went down 21 and 32 from April 28th until June 24th. The nationals during that time went 32 and 20 and the Mets were 36 and 37, one game under 500, three and a half games back of the nationals for first in the division and during that stretch, the offense as a whole hit 234, 293, 366 for a 658 OPS. Not good. Daniel Murphy got injured in early June after being a big part of their offense as well. So he was absent. Juan Lagares, the team's B-War leader from the previous season, was hitting 242, 276, 342, 618 with two, a 271 Woba and 72 weighted runs created plus during that stretch. Also, David Wright, the captain, you know, their third baseman, he got injured in mid-April. Uh, however, there was a cool moment. On May 31st, the great Bartolo Colon came up to bat against the Marlins and rocked City Field like only he knows how. And there it is, Big Sexy, as we all know him by Bartolo Colon, hit a double. And of course, uh, this double made him the first player in baseball history to hit a double on a Sunday while in his 40s, having a name, a first name that ends in the letter O and being born on the 24th of a month. That is a real stat. How is the, thank you, Chris. How about that? I mean, I'm sure Gary Cohen was just waiting for it uh, every time he stepped up to the plate on a Sunday. Yes. Yeah, every Sunday Bartolo started 
Um, the uh, I think I think yeah, MLB Network had you know they just the live went away from their they went away from their stream and they they had they had the uh, camera on Bartolo in the batter's box. I think that's just yeah. I mean you know all baseball. I remember you know just waiting for a time that someone in their forties would hit a double on a Sunday with a first name that ends in an O and being born on the twenty fourth of a month. And Bartolo Colon, uh, who better, was the one to do it. Yeah, and I mean, we, the Earth has been around for <laughs> millions of years, and we live in a time. We lived during the moment where, uh, where someone uh, in their forties hit a double while having the first name that ends in an O, uh, who was born on the twenty-fourth of a month. It took. On a Sunday. Millions of years to get to that, and we live during that time. You know, we, we don't realize how lucky we are. You know, people talk about the great moments in the history of baseball. You know, Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. You got Cal Ripken Jr. breaking Lou Gehrig's consecutive game streak. And then, of course, Bartolo Colon. Finally, after over 100 years of baseball, the first player to ever hit a double on a Sunday in his 40s while having a first name that ends in O, being born on the 24th of a month. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, that's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Exactly. So uh, things continue to get bad for the Mets after that point. I mean, it's all downhill from there. But uh, on June 9th, the Mets faced the Giants and Chris Heston at, at home. And Chris Heston, the pitcher for the Giants that night, had been struggling. Over the last month, coming into that start, his 7-7-1 ERA was the worst in the National League among all qualifiers. And, uh, well, the Mets have a pretty easy opponent on paper based on the last month. So uh, let's see how that went. So the Mets get carved up by Chris Heston there. Uh, <laughs> That's not a good one for them and their offense. So they, they needed a pick-me-up after that. And they would get it on June 28th when rookie Steven Matz got called up uh, to make his major league debut. And it was a debut for the ages for Matz. Steven Matz takes the mound for the first time at City Field, 24 years old. Six years removed from having been drafted. One, two, coming. And Bird goes around strike three. Matt strikes out Bird with a changeup, his first major league strikeout. No batting gloves, old school. And Matt gets his first big league plate appearance. He hit 304 in Vegas this year. He hits this one to center field. Hamilton going back, it's turned around, and it's over his head! Scorer Siciliani, Campbell around third. He scores standing and standing at second with a two-run double. 
Major League at bat is Steven Matz. The scouting report said he could hit, and he hit. Who thought that Steven Matz's biggest first moment as a New York Met would come up with the plate? His parents, Ron and Lori, are hugging each other and jumping up and down in their seats here at City Field. What a scene. This crowd is on its feet and roaring for Steven Matz. Here's the pitch. Breaking ball line to right center. That's a base hit. Nick, the score is Mayberry. Manella around third. He's coming home. The throw to the plate is cut off by Votto, who throws to second. Too late to get Campbell. Steven Matz is on at first. He is three for three in his major league debut. Matz has driven in four of the Mets' five runs, and the Mets lead five to two. Unbelievable. And Grandpa is beside himself. Two men on, nobody out. Now the pitch. Swing, ground ball slowly towards short. Zahada's got it. Second to one, on to first. Two! A double play! And Matz gets exactly what he needs. Looking. Winding and firing. Swing and a miss! He got him! Steven Matz gets him to the seventh inning stretch. He walks off tall and proud. So after 110 pitches, Matz's day will come to an end. And he'll get one more standing ovation. One of the most memorable Mets debuts in franchise history will come to an end. A spectacular start to what the Mets hope will be a thrilling career for Stephen Matz. What a day. He drives it for the first pitcher ever to do that in his debut. And the kid from Long Island did awfully good. So Stephen Matz with a debut for the ages on both sides of the ball, on offense and defense. Matz became the first, the fifth pitcher since 1986 with three hits and four RBIs in a game on that day, and he did it in his Major League debut. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, he yeah, becomes the fifth pitcher since 1986 with three hits and four RBI in a game. How about that? Deserved it. I think I, that was a little late, but uh, wasn't paying enough okay. attention. And that leads into the All-Star break. Uh, the Mets were 47-42 and 42 in the first half of their 2015 season. And uh, they were two games behind the Nationals. Despite not being the best, they were still only two games behind the Nationals for first place in the division. And Jacob deGrom was the lone Mets All-Star. And he was one of five National League pitchers with a with an F war of at least three. Uh, Scherzer, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, Jake Arrieta, and Zach Granke uh, were uh, all had three F war in that 2015 season. Um, Degrom had a 2.14 ERA as well, and that was fifth in Major League Baseball. And he also that was all in uh, 113 and two-thirds innings pitched. And in the sixth inning of the All-Star game, DeGrom, you know, he was known to Mets fans, but he made sure that he was known uh, worldwide in the sixth inning of his All-Star game. 
Now it's Jacob DeGrom and the right-hander finds a strike to begin his night here in the sixth inning with the NL down by two. You got to see Jacob DeGrom in person. Well, hitters don't hit his fastball. There you go. The reason why he has such a forward release. A guy who's finally getting his chance to be the everyday catcher for the A's as Kipnis digs in. There's Steven. He's made the most of his chance after the trade of Derek Norris to San Diego and bridging the AL. And they can't get mad at us for not saying anything. Here comes a 1-2 from DeGrom. How about back-to-back -back strikeouts? The best stuff we've seen all night, in my opinion. There's Jose Iglesias, the shortstop. For the Tigers, I mean, it just has different action on it. It's out of the Hummer. I mean, just zoom. I guess he wanted to show off a little bit. I can't. Hey, I'm in the game. I can't just show you fastball. You're right. Just showing it off. Here comes the 0-2. Wow. Hi, I'm Jacob DeGrom. And I have the chance with my stuff to just dominate baseball for years to come. I think it's safe to say Joe Buck was right with that one at the end of that video. Uh, I wasn't paying attention. What did he say? He has uh, the stuff to dominate baseball for years on end. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's definitely done that. He's got that. Yeah. Well, he can't win games, so I mean, you really can't you really can't put too much emphasis on it. I was about to say, how good really was this performance? The National League still lost the game. Exactly. I mean, what are we doing? Yeah, I get it. You were tired the side on 10 pitches, all strikeouts. But like, yeah. still, I mean, you didn't win the game. That's what you go out there to do. Stop showing off. No one cares. <laughs> win the game, man. But anyway, uh, out, out, of the, out of the gate with, uh, in the second half for the 2015 Mets, they were, uh, they were not great. The, the Mets lost six of their first eight games out of the gate in the second half, uh, and they were tied for the worst winning percentage in the National League during the stretch. But luckily, the Nationals, uh, the Washington Nationals, who were leading the National League East, um, they, lost five, they lost five out of eight, so only one game better than the Mets during the stretch. The Mets pitching produced the third-worst F4 in the National League during the stretch, and the offense slash 232 290, 285 for a 575 OPS. They also had a 252 WOBA, which was worst in the National League. And their 60 weighted runs created plus were second worst in the National League. And the Mets uh, at the end of this stretch were 49 and 48, three games behind the Washington Nationals. So now this gets into the trade deadline drama that this team went through. The Mets needed a big bat desperately. Like, they had the starting pitching. They had Familia in the bullpen. Their offense was lacking, and they needed to have that guy in their lineup. So on July 29th, during a game against the Padres, the Mets were in the middle of working out a trade with the Milwaukee Brewers for all-star outfielder Carlos Gomez. At that point, Gomez had the 21st best OPS in the majors since the start of 2013, and also the 25th best weighted runs created plus. So, you know, this guy is an established pretty good hitter. And, I mean, top 30 hitter in the game uh, from the last two and a half years. So that's a guy you're content with having on your team if you're the Mets. Now, at exactly 9 p.m., Ken Rosenthal tweets that the teams have a deal in place. 
Carlos Gomez is going to the Mets. Zach Wheeler and Wilmer Flores, a starting pitcher and a shortstop, they're going to be headed to Milwaukee. And Wilmer Flores was currently in the game as this was being tweeted. And, you know, in this age of social media where everyone knows about what's going on in real time, uh, Flores was able to get a final send-off before he eventually went to Milwaukee. And it was a pretty cool moment. Nice curveball. Throws hard. And a nice big hand for Wilmer Flores as he comes to bat. Most of these fans know that Wilmer's about to get traded. And social media being such these days, everybody knows what the situation is. It's a little odd that Wilmer's still in the game. But the fans giving him a nice send-off here. Rounds one right at the shortstop, Amarista. And Flores retired two out. Want to get traded. The first trade is always the most difficult. That had to be a very difficult at bat for him. Well, he's been in this organization since he was 16 years old. But it's got to be strange for the other guys in the dugout, too, right? You've got a player who's been in your organization for for seven years, who uh, who you valued, who you are trading clearly to bring back an important asset. And the fact that he's out there and risking injury at a time when you're trying to consummate the trade is strange in in itself. But for him to be that emotional and out on the field just strikes me as as odd. Well. This is a business part of the game Gary and it can be heartless and. Uh, unsympathetic. Uh, I am not one to. You know, give provide a towel that cry on one's shoulder, but I feel for Wilmer. I know exactly what he's going through. Well, this was after Wilmer Flores came off the field in the top of the inning. Terry Collins went over to him, and he had a uh, a rather lengthy heart-to-heart -heart with Wilmer. And I don't know exactly what's being communicated here, but clearly Terry is concerned about what has happened here tonight with Flores having spent the last four or five innings in limbo. With the world believing that he's been traded to Milwaukee, but the deal not yet consummated, it's led to tears for Wilmer Flores. And once the conversation was over, he uh, he took his equipment, headed down the tunnel, and it looks as though he is uh, not going to take an at bat if his turn comes up here in the ninth. So it appears the Mets career of Wilmer Flores, at least for the moment, has come to an end. David Wright following Wilmer down the tunnel and of course you know David will have the right things to say and his friend Ruben. So you know tough time for Wilmer Flora there he is kind of learning in real time that he's getting traded and uh, he has that moment on the field it was nice though that he got one final send off with the Mets before going to Milwaukee. So then at 10.55 p.m. hours later Rosenthal tweeted that a few Mets writers had heard from Sandy Alderson that there was no trade. And hours later, it was reported that the Mets had actually backed out of the deal. Gomez had a hip issue that the Mets were concerned about, and the deal was off. It was canceled. Done. Wilmer Flores is staying, despite that big moment. Carlos Gomez is not coming to the Mets. 
So now, now what do you do? You're, if you're the Mets, you still need to get that big bat. And, well, Mets fans wouldn't have to wait much longer. Two days later, on July 31st, the day of the trade deadline, the Mets were able to rebound and acquire Yoenis Cespedes from the Tigers. They gave up two prospects named Michael Fulmer and Luis Sessa. So this is it. The Mets, they've gotten their man, and now they're ready to fight back against the Nationals and try and make a pennant push. So now after, after that, uh, hours after getting Cespedes, the Mets are welcoming the Washington Nationals to City Field for a three-game weekend series. And oh, by the way, the Nationals were up by three games on the Mets. So now on Friday, it's a 1-1 game in the extras after Matt Harvey duels Dallas on the Nats' bullpen. And in the 12th inning, two days after being in tears on the field, Wilmer Flores, who is still on the Mets, is coming up with a chance to win the game for New York. Flores drives it. Deep left center field. Taylor back near the wall. It's out of here! Flores ends it with a home run! Wilmer Flores night at City Field comes to a fitting close and the Mets win it 2-1 So Wilmer Flores hits a walk-off home run with through all that drama afterwards. And as Brad Pitt once said, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah, I mean, uh, there, he said it best. That's right. So now the Mets are only down by two years in the division. And now on Saturday, their big prize comes to City Field for the first time. As Cespedes makes his way to the plate. Well, we mentioned it during the open tonight. The Mets have had some significant mid-season pickups going back to Don Clendenin in 69 Keith in 83 Mike Piazza in 98 but of all those guys nobody has arrived with more home runs in season than Cespedes does 18 home runs so Yoenis Cespedes gets a standing ovation after all of the drama in the traded line the Mets finally have their guy and in the eighth inning of this game Lucas Duda came up after already homering twice in a tie game with the go-ahead run on second. One, two. Hit to left, chasing Worth back to the warning track. It's over his head. Granderson will score. Cespedes held it third. Lucas Duda with an RBI double on the Mets lead it in the A, three to two. So Duda drove in all three runs in this game, and the Mets were only one game back of the Nationals. So now on Sunday Night Baseball, rookie Noah Syndergaard goes eight innings pitched, seven hits, two runs, no walks, and nine Ks from a rookie on the national stage. The offense was only provided 
in the third inning, and it was all the Mets would need. So two down, back to the top of the order now for Granderson. Granderson with a drive, deep right, it is gone! A two-run homer as City Field explodes and the Mets take the lead. 17 home runs now, it's a hanging curveball. They want to go down and away with that pitch, and it just rolls into that happy zone for a left-handed hitter. And now on the next pitch, Daniel Murphy sends one into the second deck. Back-to-back -back home runs make it 3-1 to one for the Mets. And it's quite a scene here in this ballpark right now. Well, all of a sudden, this Met lineup can hurt you in so many different places. Base hit left field, Cespedes. Most of the people who stood when Granderson homered haven't sat down yet. Nope. Now Cespedes has his first hit. Did he get enough? Did he keep it fair? Yes! Third home run of the inning for the Mets. His ninth home run in the last eight games and the third given up amongst the last four batters by Jordan Zimmerman. So the Mets would sweep the Nationals in this series, and they were tied for first in the division on August 2nd. So they're tied in first place, and they keep it going in the month of August, tearing it up. They go 20-8 in the month of August. That was the best winning percentage in the National League. The Mets starting pitching in that span in the month of August had a 3-2-9 ERA, which was second in the National League. Matt Harvey was unbelievable in the month of August. He went 2-0, allowing just one earned run in 27 innings pitched for a .33 ERA. Bartolo Colon went 3-1 with a 2-9 ERA, in 40 and a third innings pitched in the month of August. Jacob deGrom went two and one, you know, above 500. I mean, what a miracle. <laughs> deGrom went two and one with a 3.28 ERA and 10.85 strikeouts per nine in 35 and two thirds innings pitched. Mets hitters put up an 8.6 F4 during the month. That led Major League Baseball. They also led the National League in home runs with 45, runs scored with 168, RBI with 160, slugging with 479, OPS with 816, WOBA with 350, and weighted runs created plus with 126. And on August 21st, Ioannis Cespedes has the game of his life in Colorado. They're playing Milwaukee and they trail 3-1 in the fifth. Cespedes drives one toward the gap in right center. Gonzalez over. He won't get it. Cespedes to second with a two-out double. Well, that might be a good sign right there. 3-2 coming to Cespedes. And he whacks one in the air to deep right field. Back goes Gonzalez on the warning track. He'll make the catch. No, it's over his head and off the wall. It's out of here for a grand slam. 
Cargo trying to fake everybody out, but it went over the wall for a grand slam for Cespedes, and the Mets have a 7-1 lead. Cespedes takes one the other way. His 21st home run of the year, his third as a Met, the Mets' second grand slam of the season, and they put together a six-run second inning to make it 7-1 New York. Cespedes hits one out to center field. Blackman ranging back to the warning track at the wall. It's out of here! Yohannes Cespedes with his second home run of the night. Cespedes having a huge night, a double and two home runs, and the Mets have an 8-4 lead. Having fun at Coors Field. Cespedes deep to right center. Back goes Blackman near the wall. It's out of here! Third home run of the night for Ioannis Cespedes. And the Mets go back in front 10-8. <laughs> Unbelievable. Three home runs, four extra base hits, seven runs batted in for Ioannis Cespedes, who's even wowing himself. And Cespedes pokes one through the right side for his fifth hit of the night. Well, no home run, but with the shift swung over to the left side, Cespedes has a five-hit game. One-two. Toward the gap in right center field. Gonzalez over. He makes the running catch to deny Cespedes his sixth hit of the night. <laughs> Unbelievable by Ioannis Cespedes. And that performance is particularly unbelievable because Cespedes is to this day, his, this day, August 21st, 2015, Ioannis Cespedes' day is the only day, the only single game in Mets history, where a player had four extra base hits and seven RBI. How about that? And also then on August 24th, three days later, David Wright returned to the Mets lineup for the first time since April 14th. And he and the Mets put on an absolute show on that night of August 24th. Kills lefties. And he kills in this ballpark. He hits one to deep left field. That is gone. David Wright brings himself back into the lineup with thunder. First at bat coming back from injury at Citizens Bank Park. And he clubs one. That's it in the air to deep left field. Right down the line. Headed toward the seats. And it's out of here. Juan Lagares with a home run. And this is playing like the Citizens Bank Park yeah. band box we remember. Juarez drives one deep left field, headed toward the wall. It's out of here! Wilmer Flores with a line drive, two-run homer. And the Mets hit their third home run of the night to creep back closer again. Darno hits one deep to left center field. Back goes Herrera. He takes a look, and it's out of here! <laughs> Onto the concourse. Back-to-back -back home runs from Flores and Darno. And now it's 7-5. Home run derby in Citizens Bank Park. And he hits this one deep to left field. That heads toward the seats. It's out of here! And the Mets take the lead! Wilmer Flores, a three-run homer, his second of the night. The Mets have become a powerhouse. Here's Kadir, who's doubled twice, and he drives one deep to left. That goes Ashy looking up, and it's out of here! 
On the night that his buddy returns from the disabled list, Michael Kadire goes off. Murphy drives one to deep right center field, headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here! Daniel Murphy with the record tire, the Mets' seventh home run of the night. Zespinus drives one deep left field. That ball is out of here! A record-setting night for the New York Mets. Yoannis Zespinus puts on the icing with a two-run homer and the Mets' eighth home run of the night, a new Mets club record. Crazy, crazy offensive night for the New York Mets. And the in Mets Philadelphia. In Philadelphia. And the Mets became the first National League team with eight home runs in a single game since the Braves on May 26, 2006. How about that? And the Mets finished the month of August 73-58 and 58 total on the year. And they were six and a half games up on the Washington Nationals. So now it's time for the Mets to shut the door on those Washington Nationals. And they had a great opportunity on September 8th when the Mets were in Washington, D.C., trying to put them away. The Mets summoning the power of positivity against the Nationals on Tuesday. Bottom six, Matt Harvey down 3-1. Bases loaded for Michael Taylor. This one gets by Yomanis Cespedes. A single and a three-run error. The Nats have a seemingly comfortable 7-1 lead. But it's now 7-3, top seven. Bases loaded, two men away for Cespedes, who atones. A bases clearing, three-run double off Drew Storen. It's a one-run game at 7-6. Then following back-to-back walks, Drew Storen issues another free pass to Lucas Duda on four straight pitches. We are tied at seven. Top eight pinch hitter Kirk Newman-Heist goes deep for the first time since his three-homer game on July 12th. It's off Jonathan Papelbon. Mets have an 8-7 lead. Bottom nine, Jay Reese Familia, two-on-one-out jam, but he gets Udo Escobar on the game-ending double play ground out. Your winners on Tuesday, the New York Mets. And Kirk Newenheights, of all people, plays the hero with the go-ahead home run for the Mets, and that was just about the dagger that the Mets needed. On September 26th, the Mets, for the first time in almost 10 years, won the National League East. So the Mets are National League Eastern Division champions. They are going to the playoffs. And it was an interesting uh, end of the regular season before the playoffs because on the second to last day of the season, they were no hit by Max Serger, which, uh, you know, hey, no, no shame in that. He was the second, that was the second no hitter he had that season. And the Mets became the second NL team to get no hit twice in a season. They finished the regular season 90 and 72. So now it's time of course, to meet the Mets. Yoannis Cespedes was the biggest key performer on this team in his short time. In just 249 plate appearances with the Mets, he put up 2.6 F4. He, his 17 home runs were tied for second in the NL. The Mets went 7-22 from his debut onward. So with the Mets, he slashed 287, 337, 604 for a 942 OPS. 
He set records for Mets seasons between 165 and 350 plate appearances, slugging OPS and OPS plus with 155. How about that? He was also second in home runs in Mets seasons between 165 and 350 plate appearances, and he finished 13th in the MVP vote. And how about the guy who was with them the whole season and did well the whole season? Outfielder Curtis Granderson slashed 259, 364, 457 for an 821 OPS. His OBP, that 364, that was 12th among outfielders. His 357 WOBA was 15th among outfielders. And his 131 weighted runs created plus was 10th among outfielders. He finished 18th in the MVP vote. Lucas Duda, power hitting first baseman, 27 home runs and 838 OPS a 359 WOBA, and 132 weighted runs created plus. Daniel Murphy, he missed some time due to injury, but he had a 7.1% strikeout rate, which led second baseman. He also had 109 weighted runs created plus, which ranked eighth among second basemen. Rookie Michael Conforto came up for about 200 plate appearances and slashed 270, 335, 251 and he pitched, he went seventh in the Cy Young vote. Matt Harvey won National League Comeback Player of the Year, and deservingly so. Coming back from Tommy John, he had a 2.71 ERA, which ranked eighth in the majors and had 188 strikeouts and 189.1 innings pitched. The Dark Knight rised, rose again. DeGrom and Harvey were one of three pairs of teammates in the first three seasons in the live ball era to pitch 188 pitched. 140 ERA plus or better. Oh, how about that? <laughs> Noah Syndergaard, the rookie, he had a 3.24 ERA. He became one of five rookie pitchers of all time with a sub 3.5 ERA, at least 9.85 Ks per nine, and at least 150 innings pitched. The other four were Doc Gooden, Hideo Nomo, Kerry Wood, and Rick Ankeel. In the bullpen, Jerry's Familia, 48, or 40, 48 save opportunities, 43 saves. He only blew five. He had a 185 ERA and a 1-4 whip. The Mets had the only rotation in baseball that year to allow less than two walks per nine innings. And starting at a 3.4 ERA, that was fourth best in the majors. That leads into the National League Division Series. And, you know, you remember, you remember when uh, Daniel uh, mentioned that the Mets were the second National League team to ever be no hit twice? Well, the first team to do it was the 2015 Dodgers. Uh, so this was a perfect matchup uh, with them playing the Dodgers in the National League Division Series. And in game one, uh, pitching definitely dominated, fittingly enough, as they were the 
uh, first two te- first two National League teams to be no hit twice. Uh, Jacob Degrom went seven innings pitch, allowed five hits, no runs, one walk, and struck out thirteen batters. He had a game score of seventy nine. Also, his thirteen strikeouts remain the most strikeouts in a postseason debut since twenty ten. Also, uh, offense would be provided in the fourth inning, courtesy of Daniel Murphy. One of six that Clayton Kershaw has struck out in the first three innings. That ball's well hit to right. I mean, really well hit to right. And the Mets are on the board. So Daniel Murphy puts the Mets on the board, making it one to nothing in the fourth inning. And the Mets eventually got two more runs in the seventh inning on a David Wright single uh, with the bases loaded. And the Mets won that game three to one. And then in game two, in the second inning, it was Yoenis Cespedes' turn to get things started. Two, two from Grinky. That's in the air to right and pretty well hit. Ethier goes back to the track, leaping, and that ball is gone. Yoannis Cespedes has given the New York Mets the game two lead. The power indeed. Cespedes, no home runs in his last 60 at-bats. Picks a good, good good time to break out. Looks like it's a fastball out over the plate. Tries to get it on the outside corner just a little up. But this shows you how strong he is. Yoannis Cespedes continues his regular season dominance with that home run. And later in that inning, Michael Conforto comes up to the plate. Conforto played 56 games, made his big league debut against the Dodgers on July 24th, and in the process became the 1,000th New York Met in history when he made his debut. Boy, he rifled that ball down the line in right. Fair or foul? Fair ball, home run! Michael Conforto has connected off Zach Grinke. Can't we wait to see the exit speed off of that one. <laughs> that was a laser down the right field line. Welcome to the playoffs. So another two home runs in an inning for the New York Mets, giving them the lead. And in the seventh, the Mets were leading two to one, but the Dodgers had men on the corners with one out and Howie Kendrick coming up for the Dodgers. Up the middle, gloved by Murphy. There's one, and they will not get the double play. Wow, did Chase Utley go in hard at second as the tying run scores. Tejada is down. The game is tied. He was going to turn that way to make a throw. Utley got off on a great secondary lead, and he gets right there to break up the double play. Didn't even start sliding till he was even with the bag. This is a play you used to see that happen a lot 30 years ago. Very rarely see it happen now. 
wondering how do they treat Utley not touching second base? Well, that'll be up to Terry Collins right now who can say, look, I'd like the challenge as well. And say the runner never touched the bag. And so everyone, everyone remembers what happened in that situation. Uh, tough. I still can't, to this day, I can't believe Chase Utley was called safe. Like he did not even attempt to go for the bag at all. Even if Tejada didn't touch, didn't touch. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough. However, and also, the Dodgers went on to win that game, but Chase Utley became public enemy number one in the state of New York. And then... And now, and now the Mets are also playing with a chip on their shoulder. Like, the Dodgers are, are out for blood, and the Mets are, you know, they, they're sort of... I don't want to say they're on like a moral high ground because they're not sweeping players' legs out, but like they need to win for Ruben now. Yeah, and uh, you know the Dodgers—they they had plenty of postseason experience. They had won the division, you know, two straight years, but they had yet to make the World Series in in those two years. So they were also a very hungry team. And mm -hmm. in Game Three, the action started in the player introductions take a look at this number 26 infielder chase utley and joining us in front of the new york Mets dugout number 11 infielder ruben tejada And later on in the game, uh, it started out with the Dodgers getting hot um, to uh, ruin the fun for the Mets fans. Yasmani Grandal hit a three-run homer in the second to make it three to nothing Dodgers. But in the next half inning, the Mets loaded the bases with a run already in for Curtis Granderson. Back to the top of the Mets order now in Curtis Granderson, who hit a little number back to the mound his first time. In the air, pretty well hit to center field. And that ball is off the wall. It's going to clear the bases. Curtis Granderson delivers a bases clearing double. After giving up three, the Mets answer with four. And they're not done yet. And the Mets take the lead in game three of the National League Division Series in 2015, making it 4-3. to three. And then in the next inning, in the third inning, catcher Travis Darnold hit a two-run homer to make it 6-3 to three Mets. And in the fourth, Daniel Murphy hit an RBI single to make it 7-3 to three Mets. And that led to Ioannis Cespedes with two on in the fourth inning. A run scored, and that ball is absolutely scorched to left. Three run shot, and the Mets have blown it open.
So Yoannis Cespedes brings the house down in, uh, in Queens, in New York for the Mets. And the Mets end up winning the game 13-7. to And then in game four, the Mets have a chance to clinch in Queens. But Clayton Kershaw was given the start on short rest and the offense couldn't figure him out. And they only, as they only had two plate appearances the whole game with runners in scoring position, uh, Steven Matz gave up, uh, rookie Steven Matz gave up RBIs to uh, Adrian Gonzalez and former Mets player Justin Turner. And the Dodgers would end up winning that game three to one, leading to a winner take all game in game five in Los Angeles. So the Mets have to play for their life. And they got a run in the first on a Daniel Murphy double. But the Dodgers scored two in the bottom of the first. And in the fourth inning, Daniel Murphy played some heads-up baseball uh, on the bases. When he's not, he's not. Down low, and Duda's going to check again with Cedarstrom. Make sure that is ball four. They're at first and second. You know, here's an interesting stat. And look at Murphy taking third. That's because of the shift. No one got over the third base. Everyone on the right side, no one guarding third base, and Murphy takes advantage of it. How about this? So it's a walk. Now he takes it. He takes a look at who's there. And you see the third baseman is Justin Turner, who's still on the right side. Nobody over there to cover. Heads up by Murphy. So Daniel Murphy catches the Dodgers sleeping. And that leads to a run as the next batter hit a game-tying sacrifice fly. And in the sixth inning, Daniel Murphy once again comes up to the plate looking to give New York, the New York Mets, the uh, the lead in game five. By pitching in the stretch. The 3-2 is driven to right. That ball is gone. Daniel Murphy has broken the tie here in the sixth. It is 3-2 Mets. And Daniel Murphy comes up clutch for the Mets, giving them the lead, making it 3-2. to two. And after Jacob DeGrom pitched six strong innings and Noah Syndergaard pitched one inning, uh, Juris Familia came in for the save. Familia to the plate, and he struck him out! And the New York Mets have won the series and they will meet the Chicago Cubs in the National League Championship Series. The Mets come to LA and beat the Dodgers to win the series. And there it is. The Mets win their first playoff series since 2006 and it was because of, uh, of some key performers like Daniel Murphy, who hit 333 
with an 11.43 OPS in the series with three home runs and five RBI. Curtis Granderson was also a big factor. He slashed 389, 476, 500 for a 976 OPS. Wilmer Flores, he slashed 300, 417, 400 for an 817 OPS in 10, in 10 plate appearances. Also, Jacob deGrom, of course, was unbelievable. He went 2-0 with a 1-3-8 ERA in the series uh, with 20 strikeouts in, thir- in just 13 innings pitch. And Jury's Familia, the last guy you saw there, he was spectacular. He allowed no runs in five and a third innings and also saved two games for the Mets in the series. So the Mets are now going to the National League Championship Series, and they are against another team with a, with a hefty playoff drought, even more so than the Mets, and that is, of course, the Chicago Cubs. They had gone 107 years without a World Series at that point, and it was, what, 70 years since they had been to a World Series? So this is, this is big for them. Uh, but the Mets had to spoil their plans, and they did just that in game one. Matt Harvey went seven and two-thirds innings pitched with four hits allowed, two runs, two walks, and nine strikeouts. And in the first inning, Daniel Murphy checked in with another home run. And later, in a 2-1 Mets game in the sixth, Travis Darno comes up trying to extend the lead. And it's 3-1 and one to Darno. That's in the air to center field. Fowler goes back. That ball is gone! Travis Darno with a bomb to straightaway center. Travis Darno hits it right off the casing of the home run apple. Way beyond the 408 mark in straightaway center for Darno, his second home run of the postseason, and the Mets have a 3 1 lead. Wow, that ball was crushed. He hit the apple. He bruised the fruit. He hit it right off of that apple, Howie, in its casing, and it bonked over to the left field, left center field bleachers. That's the longest home run I've ever seen Travis Dorno hit. And he hit it through a knifing wind over a disbelieving Fowler. And John Lester shaking his head like, really? Yeah, really. So Travis Dorno takes a bite out of that big apple, and it helps the Mets to a 4-1 win. They win game one, go up one nothing in the series. So now in game two, the Mets hit the ground running early against eventual Cy Young winner Jake Arrieta. After David Wright hit an RBI double in the first inning, Daniel Murphy came up looking to do some more damage. That's in the air to right. That's pretty deep. That ball is gone. Daniel Murphy has struck again. So now it is 3-0 Mets after three batters. And meanwhile on the mound, Noah Syndergaard, as a rookie, was dealing. Well, Noah Syndergaard's first start in the major leagues was at Wrigley Field against the Chicago Cubs. And here he gets them in the postseason. On the left field line, as Schwarber goes down swinging by Noah Syndergaard. Runner going, and Rizzo strikes out. If you ask Mets fans, inside corner, strike three called. The one-two. Swung on and missed. Strikeout number four for Syndergaard in the regular season. But he strikes out here. 
One two to Schwarber. Strike three called. Seven strikeouts. Two down. Two more strikeouts for Syndergaard. Payoff pitch to Schwarber. And he got him again. Noah Syndergaard leads to a thunderous ovation here at City Field. So the Mets ride the Syndergaard. They win that game 4-1. to one. They're up two games to nothing in the series. And now it shifts to Wrigley for game three. And Yoannis Cespedes has got the Mets going with an RBI double in the first, but Kyle Schwarber of the Cubs tied it quickly with a homer. However, these efforts by the Cubs were simply no match for the great Daniel Murphy. And this ball is drilled to right center field. It is deep. Man alive, Dave Daniel Murphy has homered for the fifth straight postseason game. So Daniel Murphy with another home run. And oh, by the way, DeGrom was pitching that game. He went seven strong innings. Cespedes had two RBIs. The Mets won the game 5-2, to two, and they were one game away from the World Series. So now in game four, of course, the Mets are, like I just mentioned, one game from the Fall Classic, and Lucas Duda did not want to wait any longer. Runners will be on the move on the 3-2 pitch to Duda. In the air to center field. Well hit. Fowler back. Home run, Lucas Duda. And it's a 3-0 New York lead in the first. Three for 24 in the postseason without a home run. And what a spot he picked. He's got silly power. And this is uh, just a swing, a line drive, almost has some backspin on it, carries all the way out of left center field, almost dead center. So Duda with a three-run homer and a two-run double. And that is just about all the cushion the Mets would need. But of course, in the eighth inning, the Mets were leading six to one. And well, I don't even think I have to say it. I think you all know what's about to happen. So let's just watch this clip. A one-one in the air. Deep right center field. That ball is gone. Daniel Murphy has homered in six straight postseason games. Nobody's ever done it before. Adbury, science fiction. It's not really happening. Camping. So Daniel Murphy homers in six straight postseason games. That is his seventh home run of the postseason in just his ninth game. He is killing it. And in an 8-1 lead, Jerry's Familia brings the Mets to the Fall Classic. And strike three called. They haven't been to the World Series since 2000, and the Mets are on their way back.
At McFadden's, far from last call. So the Mets, for the first time in 15 years, are going to fight for the World Championship. And surprise, surprise, Daniel Murphy was the NLCS MVP. He hit 529, 556, 1294 for an 1850 OPS in the series. He had four home runs and six RBI. Lucas Duda had a very easy case for MVP if it wasn't for Daniel Murphy. He hit 400, 455, 900 for a 1355 OPS. He had a 1355 OPS and didn't even get any consideration for MVP, and deservingly so, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, wild. Wild. So Travis Darno, the catcher, 267, 313, 667 for a 917 OPS, 979 OPS, excuse me. Jerry's Familia pitched four and a third scoreless innings, and the Mets as a whole had a two ERA, two flat. So now in the Fall Classic, the Mets are facing the Kansas City Royals, which is another team that we've gone over. If you want to hear more about that team, go to part two of episode 41 uh, to hear about the 2015 Royals. So now in game one, the Mets were up three to one after a Travis Darno single, a Curtis Granderson home run, and a Michael Conforto sack fly. Kansas City tied the game on RBIs from Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis. And in the eighth, Juan Lagares scored on an error to give the Mets the lead. But Alex Gordon hit a game-tying home run in the ninth against Familia. And later in the 14th inning, Eric Hosmer hit a walk-off sack fly. The Royals win game one, five to four. And in game two, uh, much different kind of game, much different dynamic. The offense just could not figure out Johnny Cueto, and DeGrom gave up four runs over five innings, and John Neese gave up another three. The Royals end up winning that game 7-1. to one. And now in game three, the series is shifting back to City Field. The Mets have their backs against the wall, and Noah Syndergaard comes out firing as quickly as possible in this game. Here comes Escobar, Syndergaard set to go. Mets fans love it. I don't think Moustakis did. Now that's announcing yourself. Game on. Now that's dirty. Then you come back with a hook. <laughs> it's game on, no doubt about it. A ball and two strikes on Escobar. but already a huge at-bat because the statement Syndergaard is making. Not just the first pitch, but especially the last pitch. They get a fastball past Escobar. Yeah, I don't care if the first pitch is 80 miles an hour, knocked him off the plate. You had to do it. So Noah Syndergaard making himself as intimidating as possible as a rookie, and he wasted no time making the Royals uncomfortable in the box. And by some miracle, they actually got to run that inning in the first but the lead didn't last long as David Wright came up in the bottom of the first with a man on. 
the captain in his first World Series at bat at City Field lights up the crowd, gets it going, and the Royals they took back the lead in the second, but Curtis Granderson came back up in the third, looking to take it back. So Curtis Granderson hits a two-run home run and gives the Mets back the lead. And after that, the Mets pulled away. They end up winning the game 9-3, their first World Series win since 2000. Now in game four, it was a pitcher's duel for the first few innings. Uh, so then Michael Conforto, the rookie, uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard's rookie World Series night was last night. So now it's time for Michael Conforto to change the idea that it's a pitcher's duel. 2016. Conforto. Two-two pitch. Fly ball into right. Well, this carry. He has got another. Conforto. Three to one. So Michael Conforto hits two home runs in one game in the World Series, and unfortunately. The Royals would score three runs in the eighth after an error by Daniel Murphy, and the Royals would win the game 5-3. to three. They were up 3-1 to one in the series. So now in game five, the Mets are trying to prevent elimination, and Curtis Granderson wastes no time getting the Metropolitans on the board. One and two overall this postseason. So Curtis Granderson gets the Mets going. He does. He wants to stay alive. And another guy who wants to stay alive, well, that was Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight. Here are the numbers for the right-hander, Matt Harvey. The numbers during the postseason after he was a 13-game winner in his first season back after recuperating from Tommy John surgery. Good start for Harvey. The tag for the out. A 1-0 pitch. That's right side. Murphy. Got one. And got them both. Double play. One away. Tommy John by Harvey. Matt's in the ground. And now two out as Harvey, who did go through Tommy John, has struck out four on the night. Another 
strikeout, four straight. says Matt Harvey. They call him the Dark Knight. He struck out eight through five. The 2-2. Two, two. Two Left side, right. Harvey through seven. In the air to center. Right there, Lagares. How about Matt Harvey? And here we go in the dugout after the top of this inning. This began with a long conversation between then Worth and the pitching coach and Terry Collins. Worth is delivering the bad news. And, well, I'm going to go talk to the boss about this. No way. No way are you taking me out of this game. Now you can see him spread out there to the mound. See if he can settle himself. The 0-1. That's in the air to left. Back and forth of the Devers up against the wall. One run scores in the tie run to second Hosmer. And that's it for Matt Harvey. Familia will take over. Harvey knocked out in the ninth inning in game five. So Matt Harvey pitches into the ninth inning. You know, he may have gotten that left out a little too long. But regardless, a great outing from him. And after he departed, he unfortunately would not get the win. The Royals tied the game on Eric Hosmer's mad dash to the plate, and they took the game to extras. And in the 12th inning, the Royals scored five runs and won the game and won the World Series. So the dream is over for the Mets, but a pennant-winning season is one for the books. Curtis Granderson in the World Series 250, 360, 700 with a 1060 OPS. And Michael Conforto, a rookie, 333 average, 313, 733 for a 1046 OPS. Jerry's Familia throughout the whole postseason, an 061 ERA, a 102, 137, 130, 163, 301 slash line against in 14 and two thirds innings pitched. So, Chris, this team did not win the World Series. But they have a lasting legacy on New York baseball culture and MLB culture as a whole. They proved their doubters wrong in March, who didn't think they would make the postseason. They proved their doubters wrong in July, who didn't think they would be anywhere without a big bat. They got the big bat, and they beat the Nationals. And they, they proved their doubters wrong in October, who probably thought they wouldn't get by the Dodgers or the Cubs. And Daniel Murphy's NLCS is probably the biggest postseason memory from this team, and that will live on in infamy. And I think one thing that stands out about this team is just how much the culture changed when Yoenis Cespedes came in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a very memorable team, even for a team who mm -hmm. uh, didn't world, didn't win the uh, World Series. You know, it was uh, you know everyone's yeah. gonna remember Daniel, as you said, everyone's gonna remember Daniel Murphy's um, NLCS. Everyone's gonna remember Yoenis Cespedes kind of taking over in Queens. So yeah, it, it was a, it was a very, very, um, very cool, very cool team. Um, especially, you know, it, it, you would have thought it would have set up for, for more success 
with the Mets because it was their first, mm-hmm. you know, their first uh, successful team since about 2006. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it could have set up for something, but unfortunately it, it has not yet. But, you know, luckily they still got DeGrom uh, on, on the books for a while. You know, one thing that stands about that stands out to me is if you go back and watch the highlight of like the of Wilmer Flores, you know, when he almost got traded. If you just look at the atmosphere at City Field and compare it to days later on that Sunday night game against the Nationals, the atmosphere at City Field is entirely different. It's a different place. You would never believe it's in the same week. And I get, you know, in one of them, it's a weeknight game where they're losing seven to two, and another one is a Sunday night game. I get that, but still, just logistically, like, trying to wrap your head around the fact that that's the same team, the same place, and the same week is mind-boggling. And it's all that we one trade in a really good series. Yeah, and it was, it was a very uh, likable team, too, from yeah. the Mets, you know, from the Mets' point of view, you know, Mets' fans' point of view, and from, you know, baseball fans' point of view. Um, this team were- was easy to root for. Yeah, they were very easy to root for. And, you know, they, you know, if they, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the national perspective wanted the Cubs to win in the NLCS, but I don't think it, no one was mad uh, outside of Cubs. No one had a problem with the Mets. Yeah, no one. And had, I think people just had to root for Daniel Murphy at that point too. It's like, well, let's see him do it again. How cool would it be if he hit another homer? And then he did. He homered in all four of the NLCS games. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It was uh it was unbelievable, and yeah, very likable team. I I remember uh, you know, it was fun. You know when they when they were having success, seeing all the cele- New York celebrities going to the games, yep. like like Jerry Steinfeld, Billy yeah. Joel. Yeah, everyone knows the Yankees fans by now, but mm-hmm. we kind of got to see the the Mets fan, the celebrity Mets fans coming out to the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. So that is going to close the book on the 2015 New York Mets. It is not our favorite part of the show. Uh, Next week, we are not doing history. We are going to do a season preview uh, before the 2020 season. So be sure to tune into that. We will be doing our standings predictions. We will probably be reiterating some of our sleeper players on each team, maybe our sleeper teams. Uh, Some expectations going into the season. We'll probably do some over-unders and questions and stuff, things like that. It's going to be a fun time, and we hope you guys can all tune in. Yeah, and uh, anyone who was listening to the uh, the first half of the history series, we thank you for listening. Uh, hope the mm-hmm. ride was uh, was definitely very. We're good. not finished here. We're like, not finished if here. you still got to do your team, we will eventually. Uh, but we're gonna hold it off for the off season so that we're not intertwining history with current MLB news during a season. Yeah, and and to to you know. The, this will definitely be better for the off season, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So that is the conclusion of the episode. Um, so we thank you for listening to our Eddie Matthews and uh, 2015 Mets episode. Uh, if you want to, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure to uh, check us out on our YouTube channel. It is called STBNL with Christiana and Daniel Curran. Also, uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, follow me at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel at D 
Daniel underscore Curran. Also follow our Instagram at STBNL podcast. Yes. And uh, that, that will do it. That will do it for the first half of the history series. We hope you enjoyed the Eddie Matthews uh, in 2015 Mets episode. And we hope to see you uh, next, probably Tuesday, when we are doing our uh, season predictions episode. Mm -hmm. See you then.